freedom freedom over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome in everyone to how to ride a roller coaster i'm your host david ezel here we'll talk with business owners and founders on what it's like to ride the roller coaster known as entrepreneurship how to navigate the highs the lows, as well as tangible tips that you can use right now to kickstart your business or idea. Let's get to it. In this week's episode of How to Ride a Roller Coaster, I'm joined by Ari Winters. Ari is a composer, sound designer, and partner at Heaviosity. You've probably heard some of Heaviosity's work in both movies and gaming. They've worked with gaming companies like Electronic Arts and Activision, and have done sound work in movies like Zero Dark Thirty and Tomb Raider. In this episode, Ari talks about the early days of Heaviosity, as well as what it's like to work with some of the top composers in the industry. Welcome in, everybody, to this episode of How to Ride a Roller Coaster. My guest today is Ari Winners. How's it going, my friend? What's going on, Dave? How are you? Man, I'm good. It has been a minute since we have seen each other. I mean, it was in pre-COVID world. Um, what's going on? I think it was actually your engagement party. Man, that, that was way pre-COVID world. Yeah. <laughs> that Has it really been that long? I think so. Oh. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Um, There's a gap two years in there, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like those, only, you know, those are... It's only like a year. Those are just those kind of, you know, take them or leave them years. I don't even know. Nobody knows what happens. Uh, right. Just kind of a black hole. Just forget. Yeah, forget it. That's it. <laughs> and so I want to know all about you today. Um, I want to know more about, about Heaviosity, how you guys got started, um, some of the hurdles, some of the successes whenever you guys were getting started, um, how things kind of came to be. So with that, I'll let you get into it. Tell me a little bit more about where you guys are now and how everything came to be. Yeah, it's, um, it's a heck of a story. You know, we, I'll start with where we are. We make software for composers and sound designers and music producers to create their music with. Um, now, we don't make the software that is like Pro Tools or what they call digital audio workstations or sequencers. We make stuff that you can use in those to produce sounds with. Okay. Um, and we do it in a way that is not your norm. Um, I think the easiest way to kind of describe that or explain it is we'll produce a, a percussion product, but instead of hitting just drums, we'll, you know, we'll roll a dumpster onto a soundstage or drop a bus from a crane or come up with all sorts of different sources of audio to produce percussion with. Um, so we don't do your traditional, but it's all that extra sauce that goes on top of your compositions to make them kind of that next level of audio. And you guys have worked with some you know, huge companies, amazing brands, and continue to do so. Um, but let's take a step back. And so I know that this is a lot of you know, your background, music, composition, composing, all of that type of thing. After, after the educational part, where you learn you know, more of the finer parts of that, where did we, sure. how did you kind of get to the heaviosity? Because we didn't really start there, but then you and some of the partners built that because I'm sure you guys saw a need. So take us back a little bit to some of those yeah. earlier years. That's exactly right. I mean, there was a little bit of a blurry line there between education and where I am now. Um, my two partners, Neil and Dave, uh, started a company called Heavy Melody Music, um, doing jingles and commercial writing 
for years and years. They did the Gillette commercial spots, Chunky Campbell soup, NFL spots, Super Bowl spots. Um, and I interned for them while I was still in college. And after college, so there's a, a, an interesting little jump that happened where I had continued a great relationship with these guys um, all through college. They hired me off-site to work while I was still finishing up my education. After college, I decided to stay in Pittsburgh and start my own company, um, which showed me very quickly what it means to have a mismatch in partners. Uh, <laughs> um, and whether it's a mismatch in goal setting, in structure, in how you want to go about doing things, what the ultimate long-term goal is, um, or just an overall just personnel mismatch. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a really big point to running a company where you you need to be able to jive with your partners oh i mean and, you see them every day all the ideas all of the the future yeah. plannings the the pitfalls everything yeah yeah so there was a, an interesting year there where um we started something up and it didn't work out so well and about a year later i moved back to new york and joined up with these guys and lo and behold now 18 years later, I think, I'm partner, and we've been cranking away since then. So let's give a little There's bit a, of background to those who um, yeah. may have an, an overall idea of kind of some of the things that you guys do. But walk me through what, and I know no day is typical, but walk me through what your most average, most kind of standard day looks and feels like. There's a fun little joke that we say here. Um, I went to music school. I developed software. And my most played instrument right now is email. <laughs> and that's my day. <laughs> um, no, in, in all seriousness, though, we, we spend a lot of time kind of in the trenches um, managing audio files, coming up with UI UX designs, managing marketing materials, putting stuff out that is just content-based, not necessarily sales-based, but, you know, we're part of a really creative community and, and we want to provide as much education, as much information, and not just here, come buy our stuff. And I think that's a really important aspect to who we are as a company and how we want to present ourselves as a company. Um, you know, we're still a, a lean team. We have, I think it's eight full time now. Um, we were actually, we were described by one of our partners as a, as a very apt description, like we're a speedboat versus a cruise liner, right? If we need to pivot, if we need to shift, we can be nimble enough to do that on the fly. Um, and sometimes as you grow, you kind of lose that perspective. For sure. And as we've been growing, that's the one thing that we're really trying to hold on to, to kind of keep it nimble and light. Again, we're, we're, we're in a creative industry. Like we need to be as a business as creative as possible, as entertaining as possible both on the product side on the music side and in the way that we run our company with our own employees because ultimately they're the you know they're the first customer our employees are our first customers they're the ones that right. are gonna say yay or nay to is this a good product is this a helpful product is this something that i can use in my music production and they help steer the ship just as much as we do can you give me an instance of where um being a little 
a little bit more nimble and having that lean team has really kind of helped when it comes to a pivot that you guys have made? Sure. Um, we had a product release that was slated. We had another product release that was slated for a month later. And due to a hiccup with one of the partners, the first product um, inadvertently was bumped up by a week and a half. And we were nimble enough to be able to very quickly produce the rest of the marketing materials to produce the rest of the audio materials. The product was in its like final stages of production and we were able to get it out very quickly. Um, had the team not been able to pivot away from the next product without too much detriment, then we wouldn't have been able to manage that. So <laughs> without going too specific on it, without saying too much, but having a team that can move and shift in the industry that we're in is one of the most important things. Yeah, and you touched on just kind of building that team earlier. What was it about your current team and the partners that you have that when you left your previous environment and you know you knew that the team was a big piece of that and you really knew what you were looking for in the next opportunity, you know, what was it about your current team that really helped put your mind at ease of, these are the guys that I wanna work with, our, our wavelengths are aligned. Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, one of the focal points that we have for hiring and for our team members is more about fit personality. There's an inherent idea that there's going to be a level of ability, but we are in such a unique industry that a lot of those skills are going to be learned on the job. Um, and a lot of the way that we do things, the way that we produce our products and develop in our pipelines are very unique to us. And I wouldn't expect an educational institution to really be able to teach that to you and to have somebody come out of school kind of ready to go and fit immediately into the fold. So for us, it was really about finding the person that fit stylistically, creatively, personality. And then once they were in the fold, we can help direct them and steer them into the roles that we've hired them for. Was that like a day one conversation? Did you guys sit down and, and, it's, <laughs> and it's a lot of, look, oh, I'm no. good here, I'm good here. This is how I interact. This is how to communicate with me. You know, just so that it's that ease of level setting just kind of right off the bat. Yeah. Oh, nope. Don't, oh, nope. <laughs> it was learned over time. Yeah. Um, you know, we've gone through levels of employees. We've had people from management level to, you know, interns that we brought in that just weren't a great fit. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things that we picked up on over time, but still, we're still learning, I think. You know, it's never, it's it's not a perfect science. It's not an exact science. Sure. Like there's, there's certainly hiccups here and there. Um, but knowing that that was the thing that we should focus on for hiring took a little bit of going through. When you guys first started and you became heaviosity like you are now, what was the main the main avenue that you guys took to get your name out there? Was it working with the with companies you previously worked with, so you built up some of that brand equity and name recognition, or was it we kind of have to start now, really going to where we want to go? It was boots on the ground, grassroots from day one. You know, we were self-funded. We never did any VC or angel investing. Um, it was a very interesting time when we launched the company. You know, we, we were the guys 
that were out at the trade shows. We were manning the booths at the trade shows, getting distribution set up. Um, and back at that time, when we launched in 2007, 2008, you know, there was actual physical product. We were shipping CDs and boxes and yeah. figuring out the logistics of getting you know, somewhere in the middle of Indiana, a distribution center to send out the boxes because it would manage costs. Um, getting the website built, getting the e-commerce store built, see, seeing an email come in saying, oh man, we sold one. <laughs> Quick, run it down to FedEx. Go, get it out. Right. And then having that grow over time through, you know, all of our retail partners, you can buy our stuff in Guitar Center, at Sweetwater, any other number of worldwide music shops. Um, or direct from our store. Now we've grown as an e-commerce brand where we do, you know, direct sales straight from us. Um, but it was very much grassroots. I mean, literally running down across the street. We were in the city at the time and the FedEx was across the street and we would unfold the box, stuff the stuff in, seal it up, close it, put the tape on, run downstairs, step, put the little serial number on the sticker and then go to FedEx cross street and ship it out. So FedEx could see you come and they're like, oh, here they come, open the boxes, get the door open. Come. Coming That's in. That's it. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> so how did you guys um, really come up with your pricing? Was it kind of industry standard or how did you guys come up with how your pricing is, making sure that it fits? We started fairly early in the market space that we're currently in. Um, and, you know, the, the company, Heaviosity, actually grew out of um, our own needs. You know, Dave and Neil, my partners at the time were doing a lot of the music for these commercial spots and they were coming up with their own stingers, their own sounds for all of the cool, you know, the, there's five blades on a razor. There's gotta be a sound that goes along wow. with it while it spins on screen. And we had been using the tools that were available at the time, but there were only so many. Um, so we started making our own sounds, recording our own assets and then making them, into a usable software that could be sent out to customers. And I think it was Dave at the time was like, hey, why don't we actually make this into something that could be shippable and then figure out how we can sell it. And in looking at the industry at the time, that's kind of the amount of content that you got in our products, the amount of effort that we spent developing it um, is what really, it's what really defined where our price points fell. And early on, those price points were not cheap. Um, it was a very niche market space we were in. We were, I think we even had the tagline. It was for pro composers by pro composers. Like yeah. we were very much focused on getting our products out to the guys that were writing film scores, the guys that were doing video game scores. And this was where those price points landed. Do you have any, um, favorite client story? Like maybe working on set with one of your clients and it was just unbelievable experience or something that you wouldn't have otherwise thought? Sure. Yeah. We, um, I won't be able to say names. Um, but one of the higher, more highly regarded film composers in Hollywood today, um, gave us testimonial for using our products, invited us out to his studio. And this was a guy that I literally grew up listening to and idolizing and there was that moment of like holy i'm walking into this guy's studio i wow am i sweating i'm not sure i think so 
I mean, it was one of like you know, and I'm I'm, I'm by no means like a super fanboy, but I literally grew up with this guy. I was like, I want to be. Took you off guard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then just the reality of hey, this is a normal dude. Like he's just as interested in what we do as we are in what he does. Um, and we ended up sitting at his studio with him for over four hours, showing him tips and tricks with our software. And then he kind of opened up the golden gates to his studio. And we went into the back areas and he was running around like a kid in the candy shop, playing all of his unique instruments that were there. It was, um, it was one of those really (laughs) unique experiences that is, I, for lack of a better way of saying, it's life-altering. It it, it oh. changed the perspective that I had on how and who the best of the best at their craft are. That it's like, these are people, these are not, you know, these, these are people that you can approach if you just approach them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. And so when you guys were building everything, so before you had kind of packaged everything that Heaviosity was doing, before you had packaged it up, you know, to then sell on the consumer side. When you were doing it because it felt it it met that that need that you guys had. You said we're using everything industry standard that's out there, but there's more. So we're gonna build what we need because it's a need that we see right now. What was it like? I mean what what really kind of prompted you guys to say, wait a minute, I'm sure that there's others out there that could also benefit from what we've built, not just us. Yeah, I I think it was exactly that. It was that we had been using the same tools for years because there were only so many tools in the market. And at one point, we got tired of it. We really just got tired of hearing the exact same sonic palette in, you know, there's a, a really identifiable sound that was used, still used today, where it's this like screeching kind of thing um and it was called rusty spoke and it was a scraping of a rusty spoke sound or rusty oil can one of the two whatever it was the name of the preset from a software that was created in 2003 and it was the quintessential like horror sound almost like the wilhelm scream (laughs) which is that scream that happens in like every movie Ah! (laughs) um and we just got tired of hearing the same thing on everything so we made our own and at that point, we're like, we can't be the only ones. Like, the, we we can't be the only ones that think this. There's got to be others. And at that point in the industry, I, I think this is actually a really important part of what composers go through today. Is that it's in writing your music today, it's no longer just what your composition style is. It's not what your genre is. It's what your sonic identity is. It's what makes you stand out is not just the music, but the sounds that you use in the music to build this world, either in film or in video games. That's really what created what we do. That's so good. That's so good. Um, so what were any of the, what were some of the main hurdles? Like when you guys were still small, still right out of the gate, what were some of those things that might've kept you up at night, right? You know, back then? The number of hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> there were never enough. Never. Um, never enough. Still never enough. <laughs> um, honestly, the pivot from spending days writing music 
for clients to creating software and then producing software and then getting the software out the door was a shift from what we were used to doing. Um, keeping timelines as a small team yeah. is always a struggle. Yeah. I mean, de- going back to what we were talking about before, you know, being nimble is great, but it's like a dual-edged sword, right? Yeah. Being nimble allows you to pivot. It allows you to be able to shift from one piece to the next, but you can very quickly and easily lose sight of your pipeline and your end goal. And when deadlines start to slip, there could be a cascading effect. Right. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's exactly right. You know, I mean, it, it, because it's so hard, there are so many ways, like you mentioned, you can, you can pivot if you need to, where a larger competitor of your competitor of yours might not be able to do the same thing, but when it's a smaller team and you're also, you're doing the work that you guys have been doing, you know, you're doing the work during the day, but you're also now building an application, you're building a tool. And then it's everything that comes along with that shipping, selling, customer support, anything that happens to come. So yeah, I mean, those are, those are definitely those growing pains of small team. Everybody wears the hats, all of that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Although with that said, you know, it's one of my favorite parts of entrepreneurship is learning on the fly. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're running a company like this where you have a lot of different facets that are moving at the same time, there's a creativity to keeping that all together. Yeah. And whether it's learning Photoshop for interfaces or Adobe XD for UI UX or programming because it's software. You have to. Um, yeah. You know, there's a creativity in it and being able to keep an eye on all those pieces, but at the same time knowing when to let go. Um, you know, that's super exciting. Yeah. No, you're right. It keeps keeps you on your toes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and you always hear that thing of what helps you get from, say, zero to the first 100 customers won't be the same things that help you get from 101 to 1,000. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to open up differently with your team. You're going to have to take things off your plate, double down on other things. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, it's that is the beauty of entrepreneurship that's not found in a lot of other places where you can really kind of hone in and have tunnel vision on your one thing and everything else is taken care of by somebody else. Whereas, you know, if you need website things that need to be built, well, somebody needs to learn Photoshop or they need to learn something really quickly so we can get going and we can move, you know? Um, And so how do you guys really handle everything when it comes to perfection versus execution? When it's, Look, it may not be exactly perfect, but we have a deadline. Let's get it out the door. Let's reiterate and make it better the next time. That's one of our biggest struggles. <laughs> um, we are all perfectionists. Yeah. And, you know, we pride ourselves on the idea that we've never actually had to release an update to any of our products. Wow. Um, but we've never had to release an update to any of our products. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our production timelines, you know, either become very cramped towards the end or they move around. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we have a ongoing joke here of how do you know when you're done with a piece of music you're writing? It's when you hate it, then you're done. <laughs> if you can't listen to it anymore, you nailed it. Get it out of here. If I you don't can keep listening it. to it, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, that's, it's a struggle, right? Especially in the industry that we're in, we're, you know, yeah. I went to music school. My business partners went to music school, like. Music is a very, um, it's a very internal 
emotional, personal thing. Yeah. And we've taken that to another step of, it's not just the music, but it's the sounds that we're creating to create those music. And we have a personal connection to every one of these sounds. Like, how do we know when to let that go? Is a lot of times someone else has to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, like Dave will walk in and be like, ah, I think that's done. <laughs> I can't hear it anymore. That's finished. It's over. Right. <laughs> right. And so if and then you go back the next day and remix it, and then they're like, "No, you, we were done yesterday. It's, it's, it's done. <laughs> We've been there." Yeah, that's it. And so, what would you say? Um, because the industry has changed so much, days from taking CDs and physically putting them in the mail to where we are now. If somebody was wanting to kind of get into this type of industry, where would you say to start? How can somebody get a foot in the door? Whether it's starting their own and or you know working with a company like yourself, sure. I think there's, fortunately, in the industry that we're in, although it's a niche market space, um, it's an ever-growing one with the increase in bandwidth, with the increase in computing power, with the increase in people's abilities to produce music on their computers, on their phones. There are more and more people that are willing to make stuff. Um, And I think, actually, Pandemic was a really key point in our industry where we saw industry-wide, there was a bump, right? And that's one of the things that we noticed during hard times. A lot of times people would turn to entertainment. Um, There was more free time on their hands. People were home. They wanted to be creative, have some outlets. And the technology today allowed it. And it allowed people to sit down and just have an outlet for them to relax and empty their mind and empty their coffers. Um, I don't mean that financially. (laughs) (laughs) Spending everything on Netflix and Hulu. (laughs) That's it, right? (laughs) Um, And during that time, you know, there were a lot of updates to existing softwares. There were a lot of new softwares that came out. And some companies merged during that time, which allows people to enter the industry through strategic partnerships. There are platforms that are created that can allow you to Say you have a, you know, your phone or a microphone that you've been walking around recording sounds with. Start formatting those. There's a third parties that you can partner with to allow you to get those sounds into a sellable format and start your own shop. Um, when it comes to the music side of things, which is the flip side of our business, is we still produce music for motion picture advertising. Um, it's really just getting your music out there. Writing music and getting it out. You know, there are almost 8 billion people in the world. What you think is good, somebody else might not. What you think isn't good, there's 7,999,999,999 more people that might think it's amazing. So really, just get it out. Get it out there. Make your tracks. Make your music. Let people hear it. Just get it out there. You get their feedback, creative feedback. Just get it out there. That's it. And you'll your skill will just increase. That's it. And so we were talking a little bit before the show started on um, on the pandemic specifically. And you guys kind of had a whole build into a new building, all of that. So walk me through what yeah. that looked like, had, trying to also grow your business right when the pandemic hits. Yeah, we had our largest product launch to date in 2020, um, one of our most anticipated ones. And we were fortunate enough... Um, where we had recorded the assets 
for that product. We were out at Skywalker Ranch, recorded all of the drums that we wanted to record for that product, had it all on the hard drive getting mixed, ready to be edited and formatted. I think it ended up being like 28,000 files, something like that. Um, so we, we locked down, we closed the studio, everybody took their computers and went home, but we were at a point where the content was in a place where we were ready to format it into a scripted engine. So we didn't necessarily need the facility. We just needed people to have the ability to connect to the servers, to connect to the repositories, and continue to work. So we got lucky. We really did with that. And everybody off-site, we had daily huddles. We had twice-weekly meetings with the whole team. Um, and everybody pivoted really well. We ended up being incredibly productive. Product came out on time, was a really successful launch. And we were building a new studio at that time, which I had a lot more hair back then. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, that was something. That was something. Leave it to a pandemic to bring out other aspects of, you know, what you have to figure right. out and new hurdles. Yeah, as if, you know, having a new kid, having a new house, <laughs> having our biggest product ready to go. Closing the old studio, moving into the new studio. Nothing to making it. Making sure that lights were in the right spot. Nothing to it. All these little things. Yeah. yeah. So so next, more products, more music, um, more growth. We actually launched a line of products this year, which I'm particularly proud of. Uh, we opted to produce these small individual products for free. So you just go to the site, download them. We want people to be able to get high-quality, productive material so that they can write music fully democratized. Awesome. We want, we want people to be able to just make the best that they can make. That's... Yeah. And it's great. That's awesome. Stuff's really, really cool. Heck yeah. They're a lot of fun to play with, easy to install. It's, it's like building these little bite-sized blocks that allow you to not get overwhelmed by the amount of material in front of you so that you could just be creative. Yeah. And I think that's a great, a great way to kind of introduce people to everything else that Heaviosity offers. You know, it's, you yeah, kind of helps them get creative within the ecosystem that's consumable. And then they can take yep. that and, you know, just really let their minds go. Yeah. And we, we titled it the foundation series, like we're releasing these free products that are literally your building blocks of you wanting to write music, or produce music or make sound design. Like these are the things that you would need to start from and just be creative at, at a no barrier to entry. Well, I will absolutely make sure to link all of that in the description and make sure, um, tell people how that, how they can find not only yourself, how they can keep up with everything, heaviosity, any links, anything else that you guys want to promote a little bit while we're here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can always check us out at heaviosity.com. Um, check out our YouTube channel. We got a ton of videos up there. There's a great series called The Brief where we put together a 30-second clip of film and kind of pit two composers against each other and see which score is hits the brief better. And it's um, it's always fun to watch that because the, the individual perspectives on what a composer does to a score to the film is fascinating and a lot of fun to see. Um, so check us out on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com slash heaviositymedia. Um, 
and join us on Insta. We have lots of cool content up there too. Well, this has been fantastic, Ari. Um, I appreciate your time. Best of luck. I know you guys are going to continue to just do amazing things. Um, and like I said, I will make sure to link all of this in the description so that people can connect with you, connect with Heaviosity, keep up with all the just amazing things that you guys are doing. Um, and yeah, thank you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This was great. You got it, buddy. Thank you.